evening, Redeemed Church Fellowship. It's good to be with you guys tonight as we continue our life study of who God is. If you're tuning in, uh, go ahead and feel free to write a prayer request, write a, a greeting. We'd love to hear from you guys. And we want to get back to you. We are uh, praying and hoping that we get to meet together soon because we miss each other. But we know God has a reason for us being at our homes right now. So we're trusting and we're asking that God teaches us this lesson. But we know that God has his blessings and they're new every morning. No matter how many times we blow it, no matter how many times we fail, he still loves us. So I want to begin with prayer tonight. And then we're going to get into worship. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. I pray and I ask that you would forgive us of our sins, Lord God. I pray and I ask, Lord God, that you would comfort us, Lord. Heal us. I pray for my friends and family members who are sick right now, who are battling illness, who are battling disease, Lord God. I pray that you would heal them. We lift up to you, Lord God, those who are fighting, Lord God, against this virus, Lord God. I pray for our nation, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would set, Lord God, just spiritually on fire the believers, Lord God, that would reach out to those who are lost, those who are hurting. May your love, Lord God, draw in those who do not know you. Father, help us to trust you and the seasons, Lord God, when there's disappointment, Lord God, when there's unsurety. I pray and I ask, Lord Jesus, that we would still praise you no matter what. We love you, Father. We praise you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. darkness 
closes in, Lord, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name Every blessing you pour out I'll turn back to pray When the darkness closes in Lord Till I will say Blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your name Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name, blessed be the name of the Blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious
glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to Lord, I lift your name on high. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay from cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on the uh-huh. 
Death and dying 
shepherd's staff comforts me. You are my feast in the presence of enemies. Surely goodness will follow me. Follow me. The house of God. us, Lord God, and an eternity with you, Lord God, beyond this world, Lord God, of pain and suffering. There is hope, Lord God, in every season. 
God, I pray for our friends and family members, Lord God. Jen Robles, Lord. I pray that you'd heal her completely. I lift up the Robles family to you, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you would draw them so close to you. We pray, Father, for my friend Eric. I pray that you would heal him, Lord God. That you'd free him, Father. God, just bless this time, Lord God, as we continue now in the worship of your word and the teaching of your word, Lord God. Father, we worship you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel. And we're going to be continuing our study with chapter 29. And we're actually going to be finishing the entirety of uh, the book of 1 Samuel tonight as we continue in our study of the life of David. We've been journeying now as we observe David, the young shepherd boy from Bethlehem, and watching God always with him, with his hand upon the life of David, preserving David, loving David, taking him to a, an eternity with him and even in this life that he lived to a, a place of peace. But before he got there, there was seasons in David's life when he found himself behind enemy lines. And that's what the title of my study is uh, this evening, is Behind Enemy Lines, as we take a look at how David persevered, even in, in times of uncertainty, in times of defeat, in times of disappointment. And it's amazing to see God move through all of this. Now, David was anointed to be king over Israel at a young age. And through a series of events, including slaying a giant, becoming servant to the king of Israel, David seemed to be heading toward greatness. But David's success and prom promise it quickly turned into a season of disappointment and uncertainty. Perhaps he was thinking, okay, I was anointed by the prophet and now God is going to lead me to the throne. But that's not where God led him. You see, David was led to the wilderness, to a season of his life where perhaps he doubted in the promises of God. Perhaps he doubted in himself, in his friends, those who surrounded him. But the only thing David was certain throughout this time, it would seem to be, was God. We constantly read how in the Psalms, David would write that God preserved him, how he would always continue to worship God no matter what season. There is often a pattern that we see in the lives 
of those greatly used by the Lord. When God desires to use you greatly, he will often first greatly break you. Now, there's a danger for the youth and even young believers to have only success early on in ministry. You see, they began to look at their works as their base of faith. And when the works fail, their faith is shaken. You see, later on, those same people who experience only success, when they begin to experience trials while having great responsibility, they begin to think perhaps they're not called. They think, why is this so hard? It never used to be this hard. I can't continue in this. But for those who early on learn of God's preserving nature, learn of God's sovereign power in all aspects of life, his love, they learn perseverance through trials. They learn perseverance through failure. They learn patience and they learn fervency in prayer. Now those ones, when they experience trial later on in their walk, they're not so shocked by disappointment. They know God is in control. When we left off in the first Samuel with David, he was now on the run from Saul and dwelling amongst the Philistines. And he had returned to Achish, the king of Gath of the Philistines, with his 600 men. And Saul, on the other hand, he was going through his own battles with the Philistines. And when he looked at the numbers of the Philistines as they were coming to attack him, he became disheartened and dreadfully afraid. And that's what drove him to seeking help from a medium, someone who was into demonic practice to try to get some sort of direction. And he asked the medium to bring forth Samuel the prophet from the grave. And the Lord allowed it. Samuel appeared to King Saul. And Samuel appeared and then he rebuked Saul. And he told him that the next day in battle, that him and his sons would perish. Now, leaving off from there, we begin in chapter 29, verse 1. It says, Then the Philistines gathered together all the armies at Aphek, and the Israelites encamped by a fountain which is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed in review by hundreds and by thousands. But David and his men passed in review at the rear of with Achish. Then the princes of the Philistines said, What are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the princes of the Philistines, Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me these days or these years? And to this day I have found no fault in him since he defected to me. But the princes of the Philistines were angry with him. So the princes of the Philistines said to him, 
make this fellow return that he may go back to the place which you have appointed for him and do not let him go down with us to battle lest in battle he become our adversary. For with what could he reconcile himself to his master if not with the heads of these men? Is this not David of whom they sang to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Now I want to pause right here. David, living with Achish, had found favor amongst this Philistine king. And now as the Philistines were going to battle, David actually was there alongside of them. And when all the Philistines joined, the Philistine lords, the other commanders and princes saw these Israelites now with King Achish. And so they were like, hold on. What is this Israelite doing here with the Philistines? Now Achish was actually corrected by the other Philistine leaders that by having David, the Israelite, amongst them, they risked sabotage in their battles. They were concerned that David would think, okay, well, now I could get good with Saul if I began to attack the Philistines near me. And they also knew that David was a Philistine killer. He slayed 200 Philistines so that he can have a wife, the daughter of King Saul. Now, I don't commend David for his bloodthirst. It's not something that's praised here. Later on, God will, would prohibit King David from building the temple of the Lord because of his many killings, the blood from him. Now in verse six, then Achish called David, and said to him, Surely, as the Lord lives, you have been upright, and you're going out, and you're coming in with me, and the army is good in my sight. For to this day, I have not found evil in you. Since the day of your coming to me, nevertheless, the Lord's do not favor you. Therefore, return now and go in peace, that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. So David said to Achish, but what have I done? And to this day, what have you found in your servant as long as I have been with you, that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my Lord, the king? Then Achish answered and said to David, I know that you are as good in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the princes of the Philistines have said, he shall not go up with us to the battle. Now, therefore, rise early in the morning with your master's servants who have come with you. And as soon as you are up early in the morning and have light, depart. So David and his men rose early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Now, being that David was a man with many mistakes, I find comfort that God used him so greatly, knowing that I myself make mistakes every day. I find comfort and hope knowing that God can still use us. Now, this doesn't give us then a pass on sin. This doesn't mean, okay, now 
we get to sin and God will still use us. No, for Paul rebuked that idea and said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Forbid it. We are to be striving after perfection. You know, I've just said this recently, but we don't become sinless, but we are supposed to sin less. Now, one topic I do find quite interesting in David's life, in his time spent amongst the Philistines, a topic discussed by other teachers and one I, I ponder as to how God saw this situation. You see, here David is amongst the enemy. Now, when you're reading the Old Testament, you have to keep in mind that many portions, they're simply historical record rather than an instruction to believers. In much of the New Testament, you have direct instructions for Christian living from the apostles. But in portions of the Old Testament and some even in the New, it's simply stating the history of God's people and of the Lord exactly as it happened. So we don't have to take all these accounts as examples of Christian behavior. But we should seek the wisdom through them. Now, some Bible teachers will point out and illustrate that the Philistines, they're a symbol of the flesh. And they represent in David's life a season of spiritually joining ranks with the enemy. Now, I do not claim to know how God felt concerning David's relationship with the Philistines. And what the Bible, it's silent on. I too, I'm gonna stay silent on this. But I will say this, however. God knew. He knows. And God kept David during his season with the Philistines to the point that David would later on write, Lord, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There have been seasons in my life when God allowed me to be surrounded by the enemies, even as a Christian. I do remember in, in my lifetime being an enemy to the Lord. And then he saved me. And he said, son, welcome into my family. And then as I became a Christian, I remember early on just having this jumping right into my walk and having ministry become a very vital part of my life. Where as a young believer, I had this season of my life where there was a balance between working amongst uh, a secular job with even secular education and, and then go going to ministry and, and being filled with, with the Lord and the Holy Spirit and, and then having this balance of being able to take what I was learning in church and, and give that away to the people who didn't know of who God was. And I remember just this excitement and this feeling of, wow, God is, is using me. And I, I was just blatant having a blast because the Holy Spirit, I was getting to know him. 
And then after a few years of that, I remember I, I began to work as a full-time HVAC technician, and suddenly uh, my time with ministry was cut drastically to my experience, where I suddenly felt that if I could just get to church, if I could just slide into home base, then I'd be safe. And I remember feeling constantly just beat up by the enemy, constantly feeling like I wasn't well-equipped enough, constantly feeling as if maybe even I, I wasn't a Christian. And I struggled. And that was a hard season. And then I remember after a few years of doing that, suddenly the Lord opened the door for me to be in full-time ministry. And of course, I wasn't gonna let that opportunity pass me by. So I jumped in and I was like, wow, this is awesome. And then I was there just loving every moment of it. And it didn't take very long for that season of full-time ministry where I began to realize that, man, like I'm, I'm working with people who are sinners and I'm still sinning. And there's still evilness and what what's happening this is supposed to be what i believe to be was going to be the holy land the the promised land and then suddenly i i realized quickly that god still uses imperfect people to get his work done and that god was teaching me to have a personal relationship with him that church isn't just the four walls. Church isn't the building. That church is the believers. And then God allowed me to then go back to a, a season in my life where I get to, to work in a secular job and, and minister to people who don't know the Lord. And, and then now I get to do ministry too. So whatever season of life you find yourself in, know God, know his love for you, know his word, and allow yourself to be used greatly. So David perhaps saw himself there amongst the enemy. And whether or not he was in sin, he was a man after God's own heart. In chapter 30, verse one. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives, their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinom 
the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So this is now this tragic experience where David and his troops, they come and they find their town ransacked by the enemy and their families had been abducted, taken away. You can only imagine the horror of losing. And I, you wouldn't even want to imagine that, your family. Now, being out there surrounded by the enemy, they were apt for attack. And that's something that you do have to keep in mind when you are behind enemy lines, is that the attacks can come at any moment. The enemy wants to take us down. So know that as a soldier of the Lord, you're fighting his battles. When you're in warfare, you have to train. Child sleeping in his room at night and a grenade goes off outside of his window. That child wakes up and he's fearful and he, he runs and he's screaming and he's like, oh my gosh, he's terrified of what's happening because he's not prepared for this. Now you take a, a soldier, someone who's, who's trained in warfare, who's out there in the battlefield, and the grenade goes off outside of his cabins, his window, his bunk, whatever it is, and he responds quite differently. He responds with action, with defense, with attack. And this is how we are to live our lives as believers. When you are able to expect the unexpected, then you're not so caught off guard spiritually. Now, there's a lesson here as David being the leader of these 600. What happened to him when the people, as they were tragically disappointed and terrified now that their families are gone, they wanted to kill their leader, David. You see, a lot of times people, they're going to turn against you. They're going to fail you. And they're going to quickly put the blame on you. There's been many uh, people in my life that I, I know, that I love, and that at a time in their life, they walked away from what they felt God was calling them to because they put their eyes on man. But there's a key to great leadership. Here in this verse, in verse six, I would underline this verse. At the end of it, it says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So, a key to great ministry. When disappointed, strengthen yourself in the Lord. 
How do you do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Relationship. Relationship with God. Perhaps you're, you're curious, well, how do, how do you get to know God better? Uh, my response to that is, how do you get to know anybody better? You have to spend time with them. You have to talk with them. Do functions with them, perf- perform activities with them. That's how we get to know people. So how do we get to know the creator of the heavens and the earth? Well, let's start by talking. One of the ways that the Bible teaches we get to talk to the Lord is through prayer. Prayer is a a time when we can express ourselves to the Lord, privately or publicly. And then seek his will. Seek what he wants to be done in our lives, to change us, to allow us to be empowered by his spirit. See, God desires to give us much, and sometimes he just wants us to ask to receive that. Now, the best way to hear from God is by reading the scriptures by knowing who God is. And how do we know who God is? We study who he is through the Bible. And God will speak to us through his word. Remember in Hebrews chapter one, verse one, it says, God who at many times spoke in manners through the prophets has in these times, these later times, now spoken to us through his son, that being Jesus Christ, the word. And that's, what we are reading here. The Bible, it's all about Jesus. It's all about our Messiah. It's about reconnecting with God because we were separated by sin. So we studied the Bible. I encourage you to, to listen to, to Bible studies. Uh, find your, that pastor that's teaching the, wor- the word of God verse by verse and dig in. The next way to to grow in our relationship with the Lord is actually amongst each other through fellowship. By allowing other Christians in our our lives to help us, to, to help guide ourselves, to lead us to the Lord. And then we deepen our relationship with the Lord. Fellowship is so important, especially now since that we are separated. I encourage you guys, if there's, been people on your hearts, your minds that God's been putting there to call and you've been hesitant to because we live such busy lives in quarantine, then call him. And then lastly, church. Now, obviously, we can't go physically to church right now because of this virus. But the church isn't the four walls. We are the church. The people are the church. So when we gather, even in our own homes, and we listen to these Bible studies, the church is growing. We're being strengthened by the Lord. This is how we strengthen ourselves in the Lord. By the power of the Holy Spirit. He fills us. 
And sometimes we need those, those seasons of retreat where we can just get away with the Lord. However, that fits into our lives, into our schedules. Now, continuing on in uh, verse seven, it says, Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Do you guys remember that the ephod was the, the robe that the, the high priest would wear? And they would wear this as they went to inquire of the Lord. In verse eight, so David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. See David's prayer life? Praying for direct questions and God giving him direct answers at times. It's a blessing when God does give you that direct answer. But sometimes God doesn't give you the direct answer. What do we do then? Those are the scary ones, right? We're like, I don't know what to do. I feel like God's not speaking to me. I'm asking him which way to go. Many times God is being silent to test you, to see where your heart is, to see if you trust him. There could be sin in your life that is blocking God, blocking you from hearing God. But if that's not the case, then at times God wants you to grow, to mature, to take those steps of faith and to put each decision before him. You see, sometimes in life when you have those decisions of, I'm not sure whether I'm supposed to go left or right, when the decision isn't a decision of sin, pray about it. And if the Lord is giving you peace, if he's providing a door for it to be possible to do so, then take that step of faith and put it before him and say, Lord, I'm going to make the best and most wise decision that I can make that you have given me the ability to. And I'm asking you to help me in this area, but be with me. And if this isn't your will, Lord, then close that door and give the Lord an opportunity to speak to you, to correct you, or to simply strengthen you in faith as you take that step. In verse nine, so David went, he and his 600 men who were with him and came to the brook Besor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 400 stayed behind, who were very weary that they could not cross the brook Basor. Now here there's a division amongst David's 600. Those who were strong enough, they kept going. But those who were not, they stayed behind. Those 200, they stayed behind. And the 400 kept going forward. In verse 11, then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and they gave him bread 
and he ate, and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, to whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I'm a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? So he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master and I will take you down to this troop. You see, uh, the 400 who went forward, they found this enemy of Israel stranded and left for dead because he was sick. And this servant explains the, the terrible news of how the Amalekites, they ransacked the camp of David's troops and his families. And this Egyptian servant, in fear for his life, offers to take him to the Amalekites. Now in verse 16, and when he had brought him down, there they were, spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before those others, livestock, and said, this is David's spoil. So God now is intervening in this portion of scripture. God allowed the Egyptian servant to be found so that David can then be led to the camp of the enemy to fight in battle, to take back what was rightfully theirs. And God gave David the victory in the wilderness. And that's where we find our victory in the wilderness. The Lord, by strengthening ourselves in the Lord. The fear could have easily overtaken David when death was at his doorstep from his own people. So we strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Now God is training David in this season of life to learn how to fight in the wilderness. Because there's going to come a time later on, after David becomes king, when he's going to use these lessons here to take back Israel when it's stripped away from him. 
for a moment. See, David is being prepared. Perhaps we are dreading this season of wilderness. Perhaps we are dreading the lessons and the seasons of small things. But we should take courage. We should realize that God is working and perfecting us and preparing us for the next season of life. He's doing something within us that we ourselves can't do. I often like to say that God knows exactly what type of school that you need to go through, the school of life. He knows what tests you need to take. He knows what classes you need to take. And he gives you the materials that we have to study, the lessons we have to learn. But we need to trust in him and rely on him and his wisdom and his knowledge to succeed. And sometimes success isn't always the way that this world calls success. In God's eyes, in the eternal perspective, success is bringing glory to the Lord. In verse 21, Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also had to stay at the brook Besor. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. But David said, My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this manner? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. So David here has to explain to the worthless men of his group that since God has blessed them, that they dare not then try to take what God has blessed them with and not allow the blessing to fall amongst their brethren. You see, they were jealous and selfish. You see, Oftentimes, those who go are rewarded amongst those who cannot go. Spiritually speaking, and and involved in ministry, there's been plenty of times where I know that God will move a person to help perhaps a missionary to get sponsored. And God knows exactly how to use his instruments, how to use people to further his kingdom. Sometimes uh, those who are financially blessed, uh, they're used greatly in funding missions work. And they're going to be rewarded. What about prayer warriors? I think we're going to be surprised in heaven. Because we sometimes assume that the people who are going to get the most blessing in heaven, or the most honor, the most crown, so to say, are those who are the most known in the Christian world. 
But I think we're going to be surprised when we learn of perhaps the little old ladies who were praying, who prayed night and day for God's servants. And they didn't receive a reward here on earth for it because all the rewards were being stored in heaven. So don't seek to gain your reward here on the earth because it's going to perish. This earth is going to fade away. But the reward in heaven, it's eternal. And that comes through honoring the Lord with a full heart, through not seeking your own glory. So David had to share this lesson with his men. In verse 25, So it was from that day forward, he made it a statue and an ordinance for Israel to this day. Now when David came to Ziklag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, Here was a present for you from the spoils of the enemies of the Lord. To those who were in Bethel, those who were in Ramoth of the south, and those who were in Jatir, those who were in Erorer, those who were in Sifmoth, those who were in Eshtemoah, those who were in Rakal, those who were in the cities of the Jeremilites, those who were in the cities of the Kenites, and those who were in the city of Hormah. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Geboa. Then the Philistines followed hard after Saul and his sons. And the Philistines killed Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua, Saul's sons. That battle became fierce against Saul. The archers hit him, and he was severely wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust through and abuse me. Let me explain what's happening here. There's a battle going on. Remember, Saul was warned by the prophet Samuel that the next day that he would die in battle because he didn't heed the word of the Lord. He didn't repent from his sin. And so here in this tragic moment, Saul and his sons, they're, they're being killed by the enemy. In verse six, so Saul and his three sons, his armor bearer and all his men, they died together. Saul, he was there and he didn't want to die by the hand of the Philistine. So he decided to commit suicide. So he fell on his sore. And the armor bearer, when he saw uh, that Saul was asking to kill him. The armor bearer wouldn't do it. He said, no, I'm not going to kill you, King Saul. So Saul thrust himself through with the sword. In verse seven, when the men of Israel who were on the Jordan on the other side of the valley and those who were on the other side of the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook the cities and fled. And the Philistines came and dwelt in them. So it happened the next day when the Philistines came to strip the slain that they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Geboa. And they cut off his head and stripped off his armor 
and sent word throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim it in the temple of their idols and among the people. Then they put his armor in the temple of the Ashtoreths and they fastened his body to the wall of Bet Shan. So the tragic end of Saul's life, dying in battle against the enemy, there's a warning here in this story. You see, Saul was commanded early on in his career as king to kill all the Amalekites who were enemies of the Lord. And what did Saul do when he was given this command? He saved the king. He kept him alive and all the livestock. And because of this, God allowed him to lose his place as king. And he raised up David to take his place. There's a warning here of not cutting off the flesh leads to your own demise. You see, when you let that little bit of flesh take part in your heart, it builds and it grows. And in the end, it's trying to kill you. Jesus taught about this, the seriousness of it. Jesus said it was better that if your eye causes you to sin, to pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, it's better that you cut it off. This is the seriousness of sin. It builds in us if we allow it to fester. It binds us. And eventually it it tries to bury us. It's subtle. That's how the enemy likes to work subtly. He doesn't sometimes right away give you the most intense temptation of your life ever because he knows that you'll say, no, I'm not going to do that. But he tries to get you to compromise, to take little steps away from the Lord. So this is why we need to be so careful, so aware of our surroundings. Sometimes when uh, I've gone surfing, I'll go out there and I'll leave in front of my my, my truck and I'll paddle out to the waves. And once I'm out there paddling and I'm out there in the water having fun, all of a sudden I I turn around to look back to see, okay, my car is going to be right behind me. And when I look and I don't see my car, I'm like, whoa, I've drifted quite a bit and I didn't even realize it because I didn't realize the, the water was allowing me to drift down. My surroundings were staying the same, but when I turned around and looked, I was far away from my car. And that's what the enemy tries to do to us sometimes. He tries to distract us so we don't realize that we're drifting. In this season when we are at home, in this season when uh, perhaps we can give into vices and just kick back and become spiritually lazy, I would encourage you guys Use this season to dive deep into the well of God's wisdom, into the well of God's love, of his grace, so that he can empower you, so that you can be called to that awesome, full and complete adventure that he has for your life and go forward in it. Don't allow that sin, just like it did to Saul, 
build in his life. Where at the end, the enemies who he was supposed to have been rid of come back to kill him. In verse 11, now when the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and traveled all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan. And they came to Jabesh and burned them there. Then they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. So we have some good men here who knew that it was wrong to go against the Lord's anointed, that being King Saul. And they had heard of the wickedness that they had done to King Saul's body. So they stole back the body of King Saul so that he can have a proper burial. And they mourned him. You see, God still allowed honor to fall on Saul's house. And God still, in the future, we're going to read how he kept preservation in Saul's house. So we have here the end of the kingdom of Saul in such a tragic ending but all sovereign under God's purposes. You see, God is intending now to allow David to rise up as king, to lead the nation of Israel to some of the most beginning of the glory of the Lord, just working through the Israelites, them worshiping the Lord in the temple. So may we learn these lessons as David now is behind enemy lines. And may we take them and apply them to our hearts, to our lives. To know that God is with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He loves us so dearly. And he loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the book of First Samuel. We thank you, Lord, for teaching us, Lord God, how to endure, Lord God, when we are under trial. I pray, Father, for those who feel as though they are in the midst of a trial right now, those who know they are. I pray, Father, that you would just empower them, fill them with your peace, your love. Give them direction, Lord God, on, Lord God, the actions they're supposed to be taking. Give them, Lord God, just a patience with you to abide with you. Lord God, to look at you and you alone. Father, empower your church, Lord God, to be rid of sin, to fully trust in you. Lord God, allow us to learn this lessons in this season, Lord, when we're not in the church building, Lord God, but where we are, your church here at home. We love you, Father. We praise you and we thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna have one more song.
love to sing your praises I'm so glad you're in my life I'm so glad you came to save us You came from heaven to earth To show the way From the earth to the cross like to be a part of the women's study we they are going to be meeting on friday via zoom uh go ahead and, and message us on facebook or instagram and we're going to get back in touch with you guys for information regarding that all right so you guys have a great week and in jesus name be blessed